Hello, everyone, and welcome back to From the Felt, uh, brought to you by the Texas Card House. My name is Ryan Crow, and I'm your host here along with Sam Von Kennel and Bill Hewer, uh, sitting together in Austin, Texas at the Texas Card House. How you guys doing? Doing really good, Ryan. How are you doing today? Not too bad. Sam, how about you? Oh, living a dream, one day at a time. Awesome, awesome. Well, what would you guys think about that uh, podcast we did with uh, the lobbyists last week? I thought that was really informative. There was a lot of good questions being asked, and those guys... I didn't hold back. They let us, you know, told us everything we really wanted to know and uh, left all my questions answered. How about you, Sam? I think it's fun like that to get with them in a casual situation where we can have that, those conversations. You know, so much of the time they're on, you know, business time and, and have to really give the politically correct answer and the, and the you know, the, the more casual answer. We were able to really get into some, some topics and get their you know, true responses, which is always nice. Yeah, I think there's just a lot of rumor and, and misinformation that floats around out there about like, you know, what happens, you know, in the state of Texas and, and uh, you know, as far as like the laws and laws changing. So it's just kind of cool to get their insight because they're kind of plugged into that whole world. So uh, I thought it was pretty cool. It's like a different planet, that world. I mean, the stuff that they know and the stuff they talk about, it's it's, it's behind the curtain stuff. It's very, very interesting. I probably could have done three episodes with those guys. Yeah, well, hopefully we can get them back on soon. That was a lot of fun. Um, well, hey, you know, one of the things I think we've kind of talked about for a while was trying to do a couple of episodes to talk a little bit, a little bit more about just poker itself, like the actual game, diving into the strategy. And you know, you two guys being the the poker experts, it's a good chance for me to kind of dive into what's your winning formula. And so, um, you know, I, I I thought you know one of the the things we may want to dive in today would just be talking about like tournaments. So we got the big um, Texas Poker Championship Series coming up, um, you know, this coming weekend. Uh, at the Texas Card House in Austin, Texas Card House in Houston, uh, SA Card House in San Antonio, Kojaks in Midland, and House of Kings in El Paso, um, you know, statewide tournament. I'd love to kind of, you know, dive into the, the um, you know, poker strategy when it comes to playing in these tournaments. And we can also talk about other tournaments too, you know, a lot, a lot of cool little tournaments that, that, that are being played throughout the state at different clubs. So we'd love to hear your strategies and just kind of dive into that and talk a little bit about it. And I think it'd be something our listeners would be interested in hearing too. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good topic considering that the, the Scott tournament is just around the corner. <clears throat> and for me, um, I really hope that the end of September is way better than the beginning of September because August, I couldn't lose a tournament. September, I can't win a tournament. And I hope that's an exception when we get to the Scott tournament because <clears throat> I'm really looking forward to at least cashing in that one at the bare minimum. What about you, Sam? What's what's that? Uh, what, what's your earnings up to on Hinda Mob these days? Have you broken six figures yet? We we are celebrating the fact that we just broke six figures. We did that up in Choctaw at the last circuit event with the cash in the main. It was a min cash, but it was literally like twenty dollars enough to push me over into the six figures. Nice, congratulations! <laughs> celebrating that. Very cool. Well, well, well I mean, then, then, then it's official, right? You're a pro now, huh? Is yeah, that... I guess I'm a pro. I mean, honestly, I don't know if I should give this advice out that I'm about to give out for free. I, I may, we might have to charge our listeners for this podcast <laughs> on this poker knowledge I'm about to drop on you guys. Uh-oh. I just want to make sure when you say six figures, you're not counting the little dollar sign as one of the figures, are you? The the cents decimals count, right? <laughs> There's two. I got two more figures just in the in the, the cents. Yeah. There you go. Well, that, 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 that's, that's great. Um, well, Hey, you know, let me ask you this. So, so Sam, you actually made the final table in one of the, the Texas poker championships championship series tournaments, didn't you? Yeah. This last one where, uh, we were hosting it down in San Antonio was a day two. I played one of the day ones in San Antonio. Also, I played, played all, all my tournament experience was down in SA there. I like to, um, 
I, th- I thought that that one would be bigger flights just because they were hosting day two. And, and, and that's typically what's been happening is, is the, the host city's numbers have been a little bit larger. And so I picked the last flight in. It was the Saturday before the Sunday day two, and that was a massive field. So I figured, you know, the top 10 to 12% were, you know, were bagging up, I think, in that one. And so, you know, I, I liked my chances of making it into the top 10%. I actually, you know, I'll pat myself on the back and do a little humble brag. I did bag up chip leader in that, and we did final table. So that was a that was a good time. We we made a couple bad moves late, which you know always always cost you in tournament play. One bit one big play will put you down, but we were able to make an eighth place finish for a pretty decent score on just one bullet and one add on. So we'll take it. So so let me just ask you this: like, like when you when you started, how many bullets did you fire in that tournament? The, the these types of tournaments, multi-day tournaments with buy-ins less than you know five hundred, you really got to go prepared to fire multiple. I just ran like God from you know, the start and didn't have to, and so that that's always a plus when you don't have to. But you but, have, but you just played one flight. Yeah, I just played okay. one one shot, one flight, bagged up heaps, and you know it m- must be nice is what I'm sure a lot of people are saying. And so the entry in that one was three hundred fifty dollars, uh, and so. Um, and, and like the, the one now, I know the, the, the structure has been tweaked a couple of times and we've been, we've been trying to improve it. I know now it's $500. Like, do you think that's going to affect, you know, how someone prepares for the, before we kind of jump into it, how does the 350 buy-in versus a 500 buy-in, you know, affect a poker player's decision when they come to play? The structure is deep enough to where, you know, if you have 500 and that's like the absolute top of your range of what you want to play, you know, you're treating like this is your yearly main event, if you will. The structure is absolutely deep enough to play that game one shot. You know, you're starting out with 40,000 in chips. Blinds start out at 100, 100, and they're 30 minute levels on day one. So you have tons of time to work and navigate. Me personally, you know, if you've got the bankroll and can't afford it, I'm never going to a rebuy or re entry tournament without at least two to three bullets. You know, it doesn't matter if it's 300 re entry, 500 re entry, or even on the circuit mains, 1500. Like, you got to just be prepared to do it you know and if you can't you can't but it really helps you as a player knowing that you know if you flop a bunch of combination draws and you know your opponent's putting you all in you know if you don't have a rebuy you know it's a smart play to fold but if you do have the bullets you can really take some take some shots like that and really chip up early and you know that's just my strategy but that's how I'm, I'm looking to play these types of tournaments is is you know push a few spots where and maybe they're, I'm just 50-50, and I'm not always going to sit and look for spots where I'm 70-30 or better. I'm going to take some 50-50s. I might even take a few spots where I'm you know, on 60-40, and I'm the 40, meaning you know, I've got as long as I have two live cards, you know, your ace-king versus my, fuck, I'll, I'll say seven-deuce just to really make it dramatic. You know, you're only 60% to win with ace-king over seven-deuce. So, I mean, you can take those spots if you're prepared to rebuy. And, and that's, that's what I'm looking to do in these types of tournaments, and that's what I'll be doing. And, and this one coming up, shoot, this week it starts. Yeah. Um, but what do you? What about you, Bill? Did you play in the uh, Texas Poker Ch- Championship Series this last in, in, or any of them? We've no. had three or four. So. No, this will be my first one. This will be my uh, my first shot at it. <clears throat> my tournament strategy is very different, pretty much the opposite of Sam's. I'm the guy who doesn't want to fire multiple bullets into a tournament. I came with one buy-in, and that's all I'm going in with. So I, I'm very careful – I sit back and I, I try to not play a lot of hands, especially as the blinds get higher. While they're low, you got a few chip, extra chips to mess around with, but I try not to uh, get involved unless I've got a really good hand or I'm in a surefire spot where I can bluff a hand. 
you know, being in the right position and watching what the players do and, and just, you know, focusing on, on those players' mannerisms and all that. Um, and for the most part, it usually works out for me. Um, but if I get uh, a bad beat or if I get into a hand and I'm, I'm ahead and I get bad beat, so be it. Uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what I'm expecting is you're going to knock me out and I'm going to have a darn good hand when you do. You're just going to have a really, really better one. Yeah. So, so, you know, I know a lot of the listeners we have are going to be, you know, people who probably, if they're not, maybe even consider themselves professionals or very adept at playing poker. But I want to, I want to ask a few, um, you know, you know, higher level questions, you know, or, or what may be obvious questions to a lot of poker players, but some of our listeners may not know. So how, how does your strategy in tournament, uh, and I'll just start with you, Sam, how does it differ from when you're playing in a tournament versus playing cash? Uh, I mean, the most obvious answer is the blinds don't raise in cash games. You know, you play in one, two, one, three, two, five, whatever your stakes are, you start and four or five hours later, it's still that. So, you know, if you're buying in for 500 in a one, two game, you've got 250 big blinds or what, you know, what have you. And you know, two or three hours later, you still have 250 big blinds, you know, assuming you haven't lost or won money. If you're, if you're staying on a pretty even track tournament, you don't have that luxury. You start out with, you know, a certain amount of chips and tournaments, chips are monopoly money. They're not cash value. You can't win a massive pot one hand and cash out the next. You've got to stick in it and the blinds are raising. So, I mean, but how does, how does that affect your personal strategy? Like, like, like when you sit down at a, at a, at a tournament table and, you, you know, just say, say, for example, this upcoming, you know, Texas Poker Championship Series, um, you've got 40,000 chips. The blinds are started at 100, 100, you know, um, I mean, like, like, like what are you thinking at that stage? I mean, I know it's going to differ between you because you have different styles, but are, are you trying to get as many hands in as you can at that time? Or are you just waiting, just playing the, the, the you know, the, Top, top hands. I mean, like, wh- what is your strategy? And what do most people do at that stage? Yeah, I can only speak for myself, and I'm certainly an outlier. Like, I've, I've got some friends that are way, way better at poker than me, and, and they laugh at my strategies, and they laugh at my you know, thought process behind what I'm doing. But early on, 40,000 in chips, and I got a couple bullets, you know, meaning rebuys in my pocket. At one 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 two two three two four whatever those low blind levels, I'm seeing flops, man. I'm I'm seeing so many flops. In position, I'd rather be, but out of position, I'm not scared. You know, we're gonna play aggressive. We're gonna see a lot of flops. It's Texas Hold'em. You're not supposed to ever make a pair. And so players will you know play, overplay their ace kings, ace queens. You know they'll see a flop that they missed and you know, they're just ready to check fold or surrender. And I, you know, I'm looking to steal that money early on because I know every 30 minutes those blinds raise. And for a player like me, I need chips. I, you know, I, I recognize Bill's strategy. That's an absolute way to play. That's how a lot of my friends play. It's arguably smarter, but I just, for my strategies, for my thought process and the way I play the game, I need to get chips. And so I'm looking when I have a lot of big blinds like that and a rebuy in my pocket, I'm I'm going. To, I'm seeing a lot of flops early. What do you think, Sam? I mean, what do you think, Bill? Do you subscribe to that method? Are you are you seeing a lot of flops early on? <clears throat> no, I'm looking for the people who are trying to see a lot of flops because I expect them to try to be stealing money, and so I you know try to catch them at the right time, or uh, you know try to three bet them if they're raising. I re-raise them because I think that they are just trying to steal chips. Uh, you know, nobody can hit pair every single time, so someone who's constantly betting, I'm going to try to simmer that person down, and then I'm going to look for the people who are. You know, being very, uh, very meek and mild, they're just kind of sitting there waiting for that hand. And I'm gonna also try to bully them. But it's all about timing. You know, I'm I'm a big uh, 
a big proponent of position. If you're playing an early position, which is the small blind, big blind, or under the gun, you really have to have a good hand because it's hard to bluff in that position. You, you virtually have no bluff equity at that spot. But in the closer to the button or one before the button, you get a chance to see what all the other players are going to do and you can make a, a wise decision. Is this the moment that I'm going to try to steal this pot? Is this where I should re-raise somebody who's already put in a raise? Um, and being smart about it, that's really the best play in a tournament. You know, the difference between a tournament and cash game for me is eventually I'm going to have to make some moves that I don't normally make just because I'm running out of chips. I'm sure Sam doesn't have that problem all the time if he's constantly stealing chips, but I just try to make the best moves I can with what I've got and, and hope that's enough to take me to the final table and then further into a cash situation. Too often do I see that style of play and, you know, again, that's, that's conservative, but you're not playing scared. You're still playing right. But too often do I see, just like you said, you're coming down home stretch, you're seeing the money bubble get closer, and you also are looking down, and, well, now your stack's down to 20 big blinds, and then you know, you're know you 5 to 10, 20 minutes away from the blinds raising, and you're at you know 17 big blinds, and you're thinking we're still you know 4 or 5% off the money. And so when it comes time to showdown, really making the way you're making your money plays – you're essentially behind the chip average or behind the bar. And so I, I'm not so worried about busting out early, you know, taking my shots early because if, if when I come down the home stretch, if I don't have the ammunition to keep, you know, keep battling, then, you know, that's not going to do me any good either. Yeah. You know? That, that segment too, the, the pre bubble money spots, that's where I look for the people with medium amount of chips, thinking yeah. psychologically they're wanting to hang on too. And just putting max pressure. So I'm going to I'm going to yeah. go all in on their big blind, small blind mm-hmm. to try to take those chips because they're thinking that people with medium stacks are like, yeah, I don't want to get involved scared. in hand. I can I can slide right into ninth place, eighth place, and get something rather than doing all this work for nothing. Now going against a chip leader, huge mistake. Uh, I'll refer back to the WSOP tournament that we played together in Vegas this past summer. I bubbled that event, and that's because I was in early position with Ace Queen. I thought, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna get it in here, just get some chips and and go on. And unfortunately, the button had Ace King and flops a straight on me. And that was the end. I bubbled my WSOP event. It's funny you mentioned that because that's the one I took a picture of it. Um I had um I had pocket queens and I shoved. I was I was a short stack. I mean, I, I mean, obviously you get to that point and, and, and there's, it's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. And two guys call me. One's got pocket kings. One's got pocket aces. Couldn't. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, does that that can't happen that often? I was like, what the hell? So and I literally I took a picture of my phone just because I, I almost couldn't believe it. So it happens all the time. Yeah, poker stars. Remember? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I I, I was. Uh, you know, for some reason, for some reason, it slightly lowered the sting of going out just knowing that. Okay, I mean, you know, it's sometimes you just you just you know, run bad, you get, you know, no luck. And so, yeah. um, but let me ask you this. So, so how does, um, you know, the Texas poker championship that's coming up, uh, how does that tournament and the, its structure, um, compare to what you see in most tournaments? I mean, I know it's, you know, I know it's designed to be pretty deep, but is it, is it, I mean, for $500, I mean, that's, that's a lot of value you're getting being on 30 minute levels, then 40 minute levels on day two. I mean, can we kind of talk about that structure and like, you know, what, what are the pros of a structure like that? I could absolutely compare it to, uh, WSOP or WPT circuit main event. You know, the, the, besides the buy-in, which you know typically on the circuit would be probably you know three to four times the amount that ours is, the starting stack 
the structure, movements, and you know, the amount of time and play that you have is pretty much spot on to what what you'd see on on a circuit tour main event. And and just to categorize, you kind of have you have you know tournaments that you'd call like dailies or turbos, and those are typically twenty minute levels with faster progressions. And the tournament's going to end in you know anywhere from four to maybe eight hours. And then you have a your more bigger events that maybe are, are still one day, but they're going to last 10 to 12 hours at the most. And, and this one's, you know, what, what we'd call a multi-day tournament. And for a multi-day, this pretty much follows everything that you'd see on the circuit tour. The only thing you'd see that would be like bigger or deeper when it comes to how many chips you start out or the, the length of the blind progression would be on the actual world series in Vegas, not necessarily just the main event. I mean, some of those, you know, not the dailies, but they're, they're multi-day events out in Vegas and in the main event, not the circuit. I don't play a lot of multi-day events. I, I literally don't usually have the time for it, but, uh, this one I'm making the time and setting the whole weekend aside to be able to play and, uh, hopefully go into that day too. Bill, you might need to set aside all five days <laughs> for the starting flights. I don't have, to day I can't two. afford all five days. There you go. There you go. Yeah, and, and, and that's it's great. I mean, anyone that wants to support poker in Texas, definitely come out and play in the Texas Poker Championship Series. Um, so, so let's talk about like when you get close to like you know the you know a multi day tournament. You know, you, you know, you're getting close to bagging for that next day. You know, or, or, or close to the bubble. Like, like, what are those milestones within the like 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 the games within the game, so to speak? Like, like, like what are the you, you sit down at this early stage, like you, you, you've got, I mean, you've got a hundred big blinds or more, whatever it is, you know, in this case, maybe 400 big blinds. And so it's just, you know, huge stacks compared to, to, to the blind levels. At what point does the strategy start to evolve or change? Like, 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 when do you start altering your strategy based on what's going on? Like, is there a certain number of big blinds that you have or a certain number of players? Like, like, like when do those things start to happen? What, what do you think, Sam? I kind of look at it as there's a couple different milestones or checkpoints along the way. You buy in. You're, you're early on, you know, somewhere between level one through four, depending on you know your style, what you kind of like to do. And so, your first checkpoint is the registration break. You know, how many chips do we make it to the registration break? And if you're super low coming up to the break and you've got a rebuy, then maybe you're just going to not necessarily punt it off, but take a chance, knowing that you'll just rebuy at registration. Your next checkpoint is going to be on that day, basically your dinner break, which is typically your final break before the bag up point. And that's when you start looking at, okay, is there another flight tomorrow that I can get into if I, if I don't make it to the bag up point? And you know, if the answer is yes, then maybe, and you have the amount, you know, the money to do a, another buy-in tomorrow, then you maybe open up your game. But when you're looking at dinner break till bag up, you usually have anywhere from two to maybe four hours of play left. And, bagging up you're going to want to bag you know 25 to 30 bigs yes you can play go with less and still win you know it's happened many times but if you can get to that 25 to 30 bigs in the bag you've got more than enough ammunition to go to day two confidently obviously you want more than that you know people bag up you always still get the chip leader on day ones and stuff and everybody you know looks at him and says oh wow he bagged up you know half a million in chips which would be like you know 100 bigs or something like that but the difference between 100 bigs and 30 bigs, you know, you can be the chip leader, you can be in 50th place coming into day two, it doesn't matter. It's it's about you know, having enough to go to battle with. And if the structure provides you enough time, like 30 minutes or a lot of day twos go to 40 or 45 minutes, yeah, you can take 25 to 30 big blinds into battle and, and 
be successful. Does your strategy change much knowing that you can multi-bag? So like if you if you play one day and you bag, say, you know, 10 big blinds and you're like, man, I, I want to do better than that. And you, you play again the next day. Does that change your strategy much? Or you always just kind of, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I'm loving this multi-bag trend that's kind of coming on. Because if you bag up, you know, you maybe take Bill's strategy on, on the first bullet and you play conservative and you try to get through and, and land that bag. And, you know, most of the time when you bag up, you're in the money. And so you're guaranteed a min cash. So you've got your buy-in back already. You're, you're essentially free rolling a second attempt to then play more like me, try to run up a stack and, and bag a you know, bag heaps. You know, you've got your insurance play from the you know first bag that you've got. So you're in to day two. No yeah, because you're going to get the min cash yeah. on that no matter what. Yeah. And now you're free rolling a shot to just go in there and go go ape shit and bag up, you know, first place money. Yeah, I didn't think about that. So you, you, you've bagged once. You know you're going to get at least X number of dollars. Why not go ahead and take the you, shots? You free roll in the yeah. next shot. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, what about you, Bill? Like, any, any thoughts there? Um, you know, playing multi-day tournaments is just not something I've, I've played a lot of. So my goal is just to get to that final table or get into the money and then try to make it as deep as possible. Um, you know, I've, I've always been a conservative player in cash yeah. and tournament, and I'll always be that conservative player. I, I'm not one to get real crazy at the at the table. So I just don't see myself doing that. But I see people doing it, and those are the ones I prey on, the ones that are, you know, firing those, being real loose with their chips, and I'm hoping that I catch the hand at the right time to take some of those chips away from that person. And then I'm going to I'm gonna put those chips on lockdown until that happens again. Yeah, I have a, a really close friend and, and even somewhat of a you know poker mentor to me that, that always tells me in, in tournaments because you know, he, he gets on me for playing so aggressive. He'll tell me, look, you only have to win a tournament. All you have to do is beat one person. You don't have, you can be a 10,000 player tournament as long as you just knock out heads. If you know, if somebody else knocks out everybody along the way and he has all the chips and you go heads up, all you have to do is beat him. It doesn't matter if he's got you 20 to one, 10 to one in chips, whatever. Let, you know, let somebody else do the work for you and, and don't lose your chips You know, yeah. play, play conserve. When you get them, if you get chips, <laughs> don't give them away. You know, you don't have to be the guy that knocks everyone out. Yeah. I feel like you, you only have to win. What do you think? Two dozen hands in a poker tournament to win the poker tournament. I mean, if you win the right hands for the normal person. Yeah. But for me, I got to win like a hundred, hundred, <laughs> a lot, a lot of little pots to, to yeah. make it all the way out. I mean, I'm looking at it just, you know, stick and move, stick and move. I'm not looking at it trying to amass a huge stack at the beginning, the middle of the end. I'm just trying to pick the right time to stick and move and get my chips. Yeah. That'd be really interesting to do if you took from like, let's say the world series main event, you know, the longest tournament that there pretty much is and followed the winner. I mean, it's too hard to do because you'd have to start with every single player from hand one because you don't know who's going to win. But to just answer just that question, Bill, how many hands did he actually go to showdown? And then, you know, other, and then in addition, how many other hands did he win before showdown? Like yeah. how, what does it actually take? And I know that wouldn't be the scientific answer for what it takes, but it would just if, be interesting to if, see. If every table at the WSOP was an RIFD table with <laughs> that could – Give, you know, put all that data together and then say, okay, this player won this many hands, lost this many. I mean, that would be. What, what's that, a six or $7,000 table times how many tables they need? As time goes on. Yeah. The technology yeah. We'll will get cheaper. Well, yeah. And if you're buying that many tables, they're probably not six or seven grand each. <laughs> Let's just say I don't want them to add any more to the rake or fees and tournaments to pay for <laughs> that shit. <laughs> yeah. They take enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting too. So, so for. For the Texas Poker Championship Series, we're actually so ten percent of the people are going on to day two, and it's paying ten percent of the field. So if you go to day two, um, essentially you know, you're getting you're, you're getting paid. And so 
Um, that'll be exciting. Yeah, I know it's going to be in Houston. First time Houston will be hosting the day two. Um, so really excited about that. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, so let me ask you this. How does, how does the strategy in a tournament like this differ than say just like a weekly tournament, like here at the Texas card house, like, um, just, yeah, I mean like, like where you have a, you know, maybe a 15 minute or 20 minute, you know, level structure as opposed to like a 30 minute structure to start out. Those tournaments have strategies to them and, and, and do still allow you know better players to succeed in them. But it's, it's so hard to look at those and and compare them to the same thing as the others. Like it, it's all about the time and the chips. It's not the amount of money that you buy in for. It's it's does a good player have enough time to navigate the field of bad players and to where to where he can actually exploit them? If the blinds are raising in a you know hyper turbo or, or like a mega satellite, like ten or twelve minutes, honestly, it's a crapshoot. Like you could put you know who you name your best tournament plugger player you can think of your phil ivies your phil helmies whatever you put them in a hyper turbo with 100 players they're not a favorite to win you know it, it's it's all a crap you're taking the field right because yeah you're taking yeah. the field 100 percent of the time you know it's it it's just not something that they're going to be able to have enough time and play to maneuver to the best of their advantage and so but there is still strategy in those and it's just this it's the same thing i mean it's how many big blinds do you have at registration break how many big blinds do you have at you know every you know every two hours in a tournament roughly give or take it you know 20 30 minutes you're going to have a break and so you just kind of time it by that like if 10 people get paid then you know come 20 people left or 15 people left you want to make sure you still have that you know 25 30 big blinds that's that's the sweet spot if you can maintain that amount of big blinds throughout a tournament you're going to be in good shape Yes, you start out with way, way more than that, but that's because they know hours into the tournament you're going to be down. And so who can maintain that 25 to 30 to 40 big blinds? And that's, that's where you're going to want to be. And so it doesn't matter if you're playing 10 minutes or 30-minute levels. That's still what you want to do. It's just about how much time you have to really be able to bring out your best play. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. Um, so real quick, I just want to kind of talk about the – the, the poker series in general, the Texas poker championship series in general. Um, you know, this is, a, will be what our fourth tournament, I believe, uh, of the series. We did one last year and this is the third one for this year. And, you know, constantly, it's constantly evolving, right? We're trying to make it a better tournament. You know, ha- had a few hiccups along the way. It's, 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 it's tougher than people think trying to run a statewide tournament. Uh, you know, and, and so, um, you know, obviously as we learn and continue to grow and, and, and make tweaks to, to the, um, you know, to the, the, the format, I think it's going to be interesting to see, you, you know, wh- where this goes. Like, like, where do you think this will end up going? And I mean, even a year from now or two years from now, do you think that this will continue to grow? Uh, it's, 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 I feel like it's already grown exponentially, and this is just the fourth one. So to imagine to have another three or four under our belts a year from now, how many more clubs will be open? How many clubs are going to participate? And it just keeps growing like fire. I mean, it's going to be an impressive tournament. I think the the guarantee will get pushed up. Um, and maybe even the frequency could get pushed up. Instead of four times a year, maybe it becomes every other month or, or a monthly thing. Uh, poker players love action. They love these big tournaments. And, you know, Texas doesn't have a whole lot to choose from right now. So maybe uh, maybe it could be something that's a, 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 a more on the regular what do you think about the statewide aspect of it? The fact that we're pulling players from different locations. Do you think more players see that as more of a hassle? Or do you think they see it as kind of a cool thing to to be able to to, to to kind of have a day two where you're bringing players in from across the state? Like, 
do you think players enjoy the fact that they're going to be playing against people from other locations or do you think that's kind of a you know, they just see it all in one location no i think for a poker player they, they like to travel around they like to see new rooms like to play against other players and uh for me that's one of the selling points i mean i i keep fingers crossed god willing i make it to day two of course i'll be at my own club at that time but next time <clears throat> i'd love to make a trip to el paso or to austin or you know just to be somewhere different and uh and play against different folks. Yeah. You know, talk about uh, the game that we all love, poker. I think you'd have to book the odds, you know, more in favor of a you know, Houstonian, if that's what you call them, to win just because there's going to be more flights in Houston and probably more players per flight in Houston being if that's the host location. But I think it'd be fun if you set it somewhere probably like even money for a Houston player to win it, maybe two to one for an Austin, three to one for San Antonio. And I think you'd go as high as like maybe – five to six or seven to one for a player out, out west to come to come and take it down just because you know that's be pretty interesting to, to you, cr- create some odds like, like that who's yeah gonna who's gonna take it down I'd, I'd love to see a trophy that travels with the winner and they get invited back with a free seat the or next maybe time. stays at the host club you know, whoever wins if they won if the players from el paso the trophy stays in yeah el paso, that so would be that would brag. work too yeah, yeah. you know that's just not a bad idea just something to brag about that this this player from this club is the champion and, and this is where the championship stays until the next one that's a pretty cool idea. We'll have to run that by all the the you know, all the clubs and see what they think about that. That's pretty cool. Naturally, um, I'd have to pick Austin because I know like, <laughs> me and my friends are playing and we're some of the best fucking poker players you'll ever see. It's got to be like the uh, Stanley Cup where you get you know your, your name on it and it, it continues to grow so lots of names can get added to it. That's, yeah. that's a must if we do this. No, that, yeah, I, I agree. Um, and yeah, I mean, and, that, and the bracelet too. I mean, that thing is, it's like a, it's like a quarter pound of, uh, or a quarter ounce of, I don't know how big it is. It's a, it's like it's quarter pound of sterling silver. I think is is, is what uh, and diamonds, a six thousand yeah. dollar value. Yeah, yeah, diamonds in it. So I mean, it's it's a, uh, I mean, it's it's a it's a pretty 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 cool piece of hardware there. That uh, is this the first time that we've given out a bracelet? No, no, no. We've given out to each of the ones this year. Okay. Yeah, and it's it's been a pretty big selling point. I know the last one they put it out there on the table and you know with the, with the money. So, you know, it kind of had a cool little final table scene there. It was. A lot of fun. Uh, I know the players enjoyed it. So that's cool. I was seven players away from having that bad boy on my wrist. So <laughs> maybe, maybe next time. We'll, no, we'll find out this week, I guess. What do y'all think about the? You know, the the you know, one of the things that we as we were kind of planning this, we talked about like the buy in, like a you know, we had like the two fifty with a hundred dollar add on, then we had like the three fifty, and so this one's just straight five hundred dollars. What do y'all think uh, as far as like the 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 actual entry amount? Like, do you? Do you think that draws more players, more of the serious players? I know that probably like the average Joe's not going to come into a $500 buy-in tournament, but what are your thoughts on um, you know, how players perceive the, the buy-ins and that kind of stuff for a tournament like this? I think it does bring out a better player, um, but I, I don't think it leaves out uh, the, the smaller limit players because there are satellites to win their way into these tournaments. So if you're a tournament player, there's a way for you to get in, whether it's win your way in or buy your way in. I think $500 is the sweet spot. I really do. Yeah, completely agree. It's it's high enough that it does attract the major player from from looking elsewhere to go find that you know larger buy in, larger guarantee, and it's still low enough that yes, that's not something that the average player is going to go spend, you know, every Saturday or something. But the way we do it, you know, three or four times, the four times a year that we're doing it, these are spaced out to where the, those types of players look forward to getting to play in an event so deep as this that's multi-table with as much money there is to be won without having to drive to Oklahoma, Louisiana, Las Vegas, and buy in for 1500 And so 
it's not pricing out the average players so much as just making them plan and prepare for it. And then the more of a hardcore turning player, yeah, they're, they're going to love this 500. I think it's a lot better than doing, even though the last several, that's kind of been the same price point, but just doing it all in one buy-in, no add-on at the break or any of those options, just doing one buy-in for your chips is is a lot more transparent and just more professional. That's the way that's the way the industry is going. It's just doing buy-ins and not add-ons. Yeah, no. Um, I know we had the Mayday raids brought before the last one, and it kind of hurt that tournament quite a bit. Uh, we lost the Houston Club and all the entries there. But um, I mean, the one before that, we almost had four hundred thousand dollars in the prize pool. I mean, that was. I mean, I I, I don't want to claim it's been one of the biggest ones in tech, but but it has to be up in the top. You know, top ten of, of of biggest prize pools for a Texas poker tournament because I think we were like three eighty or three ninety. Second largest one I know of. Okay, yeah. So I mean, it's 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 up there. I mean, so you, you know, I don't. I mean, obviously, we don't know that this one's going to get that big, but I think it has the potential to really gain. Uh, you know, that kind of traction now that we we've been able to do a few. I know we've had some hiccups along the way. We had the I think the very first one we had an issue where the flight was added, which. Hey, you know what? We screwed up on that. You know, we owned it. Uh, you know, and I know we, I know we put the guarantee money in there anyway. But I know that's something a lot of players have brought up, and and we understand that we made a mistake there, uh, and that's not something that's going to happen again. Uh, you know, learned our lesson pretty quickly on that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that in general, the feedback on the tournament has been very positive, uh, and I'm hoping to to see this thing grow. I think that a lot of the players want it. I mean, I'd love to keep bringing in new cities um, and, and and just getting more people involved because I think it's a, a a great opportunity for the state and it's a great way i mean the the the, the proceeds are coming you, you know a, a big chunk of the of the money taken out of that i mean the majority of it is going to the social car clubs of texas which as, as you know as we're trying to be very transparent about what we're doing with that money and you know we, we talked to our lobbyists last week let, let you guys hear from them um but hey if you have questions you know, you know, email us you know ftf at texascardhouse.com um, and, and ask us your questions. I mean, if there's a question you have about, you know, the social car clubs of Texas, about the Texas poker championship series, about the clubs, we'd love to hear from you, you know, or, you know, shoot it to us and we'll answer it. Or even comments. If you've got uh, some positive feedbacks, negative feedback, just email us, let us know what you think about uh, the show, about the clubs, about the, uh, the whole Scott tournament. We'd love to get, uh, player feedback. Absolutely. And a lot of the changes we've made to the, um, the, the poker championship series has been based off of the feedback from players in the tournament. You know, uh, you know, they wanted to get rid of the add on, you know, we, we heard them loud and clear. We did it. And so they wanted to make, keep these structures long. We did it. We wanted more people going to day two. So we made it from, moved it from what, 5% going to, to now 10%. Yeah, so, you know, we're, we're trying to listen to, to the players and, and, and figure out what they want. And, you know, this tournament is for the players, you know, we're trying to advocate for, uh, you know, you know, poker in Texas and, uh, it's a tournament for the players and, and the proceeds of it are being used to fight for the players. And yeah. so not uh, just the tournament, the clubs, this is a players club. This yeah, is, this absolutely. Is your club, your tournament, you let us know how you want it to be. Cool. Well, Sam, any other questions, follow-ups, comments? I'm looking forward to jumping in there. I think I'm probably going to spread it around. I'm most likely going to fire a bullet or two here in Austin just cause I'll be here the first weekend. But, uh, the second weekend, I'll be down in Houston almost the whole time. I'm, I'm going to hopefully try to go for that repeat and bag up chip leader and final table again. Do you have any uh, jewelry polish you can bring? I'm going to need it for my bracelet. <laughs> okay, yeah. Where, where, are you, where are we going shopping for your bracelet? I'm, I'm going to win the bracelet or the, or the Scott bracelet. Yeah. The uh, So just a quick recap. Uh, so the, the, the Texas Poker Championship uh, tournament uh, starts September 20th, 21st, and 22nd. Um, those three days, that's this coming weekend, um, there will be day ones at SA Cardhouse. 
at Texas Card House in Austin and at Texas Card House in Houston. On the Saturday, the 21st, there's also a day one at Kojak's in Midland and a day one in House of Kings at House of Kings in El Paso. Uh, the following weekend, um, it's all in Houston. So the day two is on that on that Sunday and that Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, which I believe are the 26th, 27th, and 28th. There's day ones in Houston uh, at the Texas Card House. So. Very excited about that. We're expecting a good turnout. Uh, please come out and support, uh, you, you know, uh, Social Card Clubs of Texas, Texas Poker Championship Series, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you, you know, um, you know, we get a good showing and, and it's it's a great turnout. Amen. Let's do it. Let's see uh, everybody come out to Texas Card House or to any of the rooms that are hosting the Scott Tournament and participate. Help uh, help us with the cause. Cool. And with that, we'll wrap it up. Uh, thank you guys for joining us, and we'll be back next week. Everybody have a good day.